When I was preparing for this sermon, um, quite frankly, I had to go back and look at three weeks ago when I left for vacation to see where I was leaving off. And when I opened up uh, the, the website where I keep my sermon, my sermons uh, uploaded, I saw that the next section was First John chapter four verses one to six, and I literally went, "Oh, good! I like this one." Um, not that I don't like the rest of them. But this particular section of scripture has held, uh, has had a great deal of um, impact from a very early time in my walk with Christ. And so I want to read with you this morning, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to share a short little story with you about what happened to me when I was a brand new baby Christian and this passage of, of scripture. And I just want to Unpack it a little bit for us, what this what this passage is saying. So turn with me, if you will, to chapter 4 of the first book of John, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you're from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When I was a young, young Christian, I I came to faith when I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school. And I had a friend in high school who got saved a little bit before me. And he set a standard for himself that he was going to read through the Bible as fast as he possibly could. And so he started reading 40 chapters every single night. And he got through the Bible very, very quickly. I looked at him and told him he was crazy. I had high school. I had had work to do from homework and other things. There was no way I had that kind of time. But I did intentionally read the Word of God, and I did intentionally read through the New Testament as fast as I could. I couldn't read through the whole Bible that, as fast as he did. He finished it, I don't even remember now, but it was like a month, month and a half, finished the entire book. Um, but I read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and it was like a day or two after I read that. And, and, and I had not just read it, but I had read it and spent time meditating on it and spent time thinking about it and what does this mean and how do I understand this? And, and then two days later or so, I came home from school and I was up in my room and I'm the oldest of seven kids and my dad was in the Navy. We lived in military housing and my mom was a stay-at-home mom with seven kids. There's no way that they, she could go out and work because who's going to take care of the kids? And so my mom had a good group of friends that were all Navy spouses, and they would all just get together for coffee every day, and sometimes twice a day. 
And so there was a group of these women gathered in our dining area, in our home, and they weren't having coffee this time. One of the women had brought over her new toy, a Ouija board. And I came downstairs and I saw that, and I didn't understand because I was too new in my faith to understand what was going on with me. I have since learned that my, I have two chief spiritual gifts. My number one spiritual gift is leadership. My number two number one spiritual gift, because they're both equal when I test out, is discernment of spirits. I can tell when something is evil. I can tell when something's not right. I can tell when there's darkness. I can't tell you how I know. I just know that I know. And I walked into that room where my parent, my mom and her friends were playing with this Ouija board and I just had the come over me. And I, I was stupid enough to boldly speak out to my mom and her friends. You don't need to be doing that. That's not of God. That's demonic. That's evil. You need to get that out of here. Now, my mom was not mad. She was just like, oh, Bobby, this is just a toy. It's no big deal. I said, no, Mom, it's, it's evil. I can prove it. Okay, fine. So I went upstairs and I got my Bible. And I came downstairs and I opened up my Bible and I read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I said, the Bible clearly tells us in verse 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And then verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. And I said to my mom and her friends, Get that thing moving again. Now, I don't want to give glory to anything other than Jesus, so I'm not going to describe how this thing works, but most of you have some understanding of what's going on with a Ouija board. So they put their hands on the little thingy and it moved around and I said, Spirit, are you there? And it said, yes. And I said, this is Bob. Do you have a message for me? Yes. What is your message, Spirit? No, no. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I did that first. And it said, and it started spelling out words and it spelled out God is D-A-D. No, no, wait, I'm backing this up. I'm reversing it. I said, Spirit, are you from God? And it said, yes. And I said, prove it. Are you from God? And it said, G-O-D, God is I-S, D-A-D. God is D-A-D. And my mom said, see right there, it's saying God is Dad. God is the Father. I said, no. And I don't know how I knew this. I just knew I said, no, that's not what it's saying. It's saying God is dead. And I said, Jesus, Spirit, the Bible says if you are from God, you will admit that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Has he? Yes. Spell it. And it went K-D-R. And again, I don't know where this insight came from other than it was from God. And I said, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Jesus is spelled J-E-S-U-S. -S. Spell it. And it went K-D-R. And if you think about it, 
K-E-R is one letter off from Jesus. Instead of J, it was doing K. Instead of E, it was doing D. Instead of S, it was doing R. And I said, Spirit, you are not from God, are you? No. I command you in the name of God and through the power of the blood of Christ, leave now. And the board went dead. And my mom was like, get this out of my house. Get this out of my house. Get this out of my house. And I walked up to my room. I'm a spiritual hero. I just showed my mom all about the enemy of God. Now, I was a brand spanking new baby Christian. And I really was playing with fire and had no understanding of what I was doing. Thank God he protected me. And thank God I've never had any other repercussions from that event. Um, I can tell you one other time in my life I was working in a toy store. And I walked down to the game aisle. And again, I walked through a wall of ooh. And I looked, and right there was a stack of Ouija boards. So, I can tell you from my own experience, I believe that there are something about the spirit world. I believe that there is something about darkness versus light, and it's not just what we can see, it's something that we can't see and perceive. I was reading one of the commentaries about this particular passage, and they said, you know, for years and years and years, uh, the the ancient uh, Hebrews and then even the early Christians, they believed in um, the, the spirit world that they couldn't see, and then we got enlightened because, you know, we're so smart as human beings, and now we understand that we can't see it, so we can't believe in it. But then we came into the age uh, where we have microscopes, and we have the ability to see tiny, 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 tiny little things that we didn't know existed, but they do exist. And so the argument is now, well, if you, if you didn't know they existed, but they did exist, and you can prove it because you can see it with your own physical eyes, now argue with me that there's no such thing as something in the spirit world that you can't see or necessarily discern with your physical, but you can't deny it. And so for me, I, all of this makes sense. It all makes sense. But the crux of the whole thing was this one central point in this argument is if it's of God, you're going to be able to tell. Verse 6 says, this is how we know truth from error. This is how we know right from wrong. And what is the this? Go back to chapter verse 2 and verse 3. Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is of God. And then verse 3 says, any spirit that doesn't confess Jesus is not of God. And scholars have argued about, well, it should have said, doesn't Jesus has come in the flesh? And others say, well, that was implied. And I'm not going to get into that this morning. You can read that for yourself, and you can study for yourself and pray for yourself. But the bottom line is, this is a, a key and pivotal truth that Christians can use to discern everything about the spirit world. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? There's a theological term called incarnation. Incarnation simply means God in flesh. God became human. Um, you've, you've, we've read in this uh, hymnal, in reading number 14, I believe it is. Yeah, reading number 14, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed very clearly says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. 
and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And then he goes on and says, also, I also believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, etc., etc., etc. This Nicene Creed came about in the year 325 AD, almost a full 300 years after Jesus. Why did it come about? Because the church had gotten so sophisticated that they'd gotten to the point where they were struggling about whether or not they truly believed in a trinity. And so the decision was, let's bring all the scholars together and we'll make a decision about what we truly believe. And so the Nicene Creed came out of that. And that was a statement of our Christian belief of what we truly believe about God in the form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then 120 years later, in the year 451, another council was held, another worldwide gathering of all the scholars and all the bishops who, who know all about the, the scriptures, and they were there to discuss and argue whether or not Jesus actually came in the flesh. And this, this council was known, the Council of Chalcedon, and the Council of Chalcedon determined that indeed Jesus was God and a human together. Fully God, fully human in one. That was 450 years. And if you said, if you remove Jesus' death, which was around the year 33, 35, that means that for 420 years the church argued about the incarnation of Christ. But John wrote this book less than 30 or 40 years, excuse me, yeah, about 40 or 50, 40 or 50 years after Jesus' death. And he said, this is a pivotal truth that you can use to discern. This is key to your understanding of what truth is and what error is. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Yes or no? Why is it so pivotal? Why is it so important? And I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it for just a second. Of all the truths that come out of the Bible, why is this one, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, such an important truth? If you were to turn with me, you don't need to turn, but if you were to turn right now to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul was writing to a church that was struggling with a lot of different things. And in chapter 15, he deals with the issue of resurrection. And his dealing with resurrection, his answer is actually to argue whether or not Jesus was resurrected, because that was a question that was going on. But if you look at chapter 15, verse 16 and 17, it says, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And the only way... So, well, let's go back to that. The argument that Paul is making is if you... Uh, 
claim to be in right relationship with God, it is because of the resurrection of Christ. The power of God resurrecting Jesus from the dead. And if there is no resurrection, and if indeed because there's no resurrection that Jesus didn't didn't resurrect, then that means that you are still in a sinful state and you are not in right relationship with God, so your faith is useless. But how could Jesus be resurrected if he didn't die? And how could he die if he really, really wasn't ever living. And that goes all the way back to the Council of Chalcedon in 451. That was the argument. Was Jesus simply an apparition? God being a 3D hologram, if you will, pretending for our benefit to walk among us as one of us, showing us how to live, but not really being one of us. And the Council at Chalcedon said, no, 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 he has to be fully human and fully divine for any of this to make sense. But the thing that's so sad is, Paul said it back before the year 100. In Romans 1 Corinthians 7.15. Because if he didn't resurrect and you're still in your sins, then he had to be, he, as I said, he had to have died. If he had to die, that means he had to be a human being. He could not have died if he wasn't really human. So the whole point of this is, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Yes. If your answer is anything but yes, you're not a Christian. Let me throw one more wrench into the monkey works here. And I'm not going to mention any particular church, but I am going to talk about a particular uh, faith. Okay? And you can look it up for yourself later on. There is an organization that states that Jesus Christ is the Savior. There's an organization that states that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That organization says that Jesus Christ was a son of God. Did you hear what I just said? He was a son of God. They believe that Jesus Christ's father is the same creator God, father God, that not creator God, excuse me, father God, that all of us humans on this earth have. And that Father God's name is Elohim. And they believe that Elohim fathered spiritually every single one of us through, through a spiritual procreative act with one of his celestial wives. And then he then joined those souls or spirits with every physical body that's here on our earth. And then each one of us who are in right relationship with our Father God has the potential to be in an afterlife with our Father God. Or if we're really good, we might get to go and have our own planet that we can become the God over. 
Now, I'm not making any jokes. I'm just simply stating what I understand to be the belief system of this particular church. But do you hear this particular church says Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Yeah, they did. That's the, that's the reason why the council at Chalcedon had to happen in 451. Because from the time of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, all the way through those 300 plus, 350 years, the church struggled with heretical teaching. Heresy, people coming up with their own understanding of what they think was how it worked, how it happened. And one of the one of the scholars that I read as I was preparing for this sermon, they said it's not a matter of having the right words. It's a matter of having the right belief. Because I can say Jesus Christ came in the flesh. But that doesn't mean that I'm talking about God's only son who was the begotten one who was born of Mary following this path that we understand from our scriptures. It is possible for me to go askew in my belief system and not be orthodox in the way that I teach. It is the same way for each one of us. It is your responsibility as a Christian to study the Word of God. It is your responsibility as a Christian to, to chew on this with other Christians and say, I'm reading this. How do you get this? Because this, I'm not so sure that I got this right. It is, it is our responsibility as Christians to hold this up in, 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 in the Church of the Nazarene, we are what are known as Wesley and Arminian in our theology. And John Wesley um, had a teaching system that has become known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And the Wesleyan quadrilateral is basically this. Does it line up with what Scripture says? Does it line up with tradition of the church? Does it line up with reason? Does it make sense? And does it line up with your experience and the experience of other Christians? If it lines up with all four of those things, you can pretty well tell that it's true. So if it doesn't contradict Scripture, if it doesn't contradict the traditions of the church, if it doesn't contradict um, reason, if it makes sense, and if it doesn't contradict your experience and the, other, the experience of other Christians, then you can pretty well trust that it is true. The problem is, is that some people don't pay attention to those four tenets. And they just get into their little, oh, this is how it works. And so the, the, the thing that I want to share with us this morning, the, the, thing, the, the crux of what I wanted to say to us this morning was, just as this one little point in these, four, in these six verses is so, so, so important, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and it is that single truth that can help you to understand the difference between what is Christ, Christ teaching and what is Antichrist teaching. But you need to know that you know that you know that you know by your own study, by your own participation in a body of believers who help you to understand, by testing all of that. It's your responsibility, because I could be off base. 
You know, I, I said 15 years ago, when I first became a pastor, I graduated from Bible college, I got my license as a, as, a, as a district license minister, and they sent me here to the church, 350 miles away from the center of the Church of the Nazarene's uh, headquartered area, and I was told, here, go! And for a full year, no one was checking up on me. No one. I didn't have to report to anybody for a full year. Until I went to my next year's interview to find out if I was going to get renewed, renew my license. And when I met with that body and that board that first year, I was hot and mad. And I let them know how mad I was. They got, I, I got so mad that they had to call in the district superintendent into the meeting. Say, oh, let's just wait for him to get here, Bob. Just, let's just wait. And I looked at him and I said, you put me as a shepherd over the souls, the eternal souls of 35 human beings, and not a single one of you people came to make sure that I wasn't teaching heresy? This is ridiculous. Who am I? I've only been here not in a year. I don't know that I know that I know stuff. I only know what you taught me and I'm doing the best that I can, but I keep doing it wrong. And literally, and they were like, <laughs> now, I'm not saying I was right in what I did, but I, the weight of the responsibility of being a shepherd over 35 eternal souls, and what if I'm saying things bad? What if I'm teaching inappropriate things? Now, I'm doing the best that I can, but I need somebody to bounce stuff off of to make sure I'm not going off Straight. You can look in the scriptures in the book of Acts where it says the Bereans were held in high esteem. Why? Because every night after Paul preached to them, they'd go home and check the scriptures to make sure what he said was right. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people in this congregation go home on a Sunday afternoon and open up your word to make sure that what Pastor Bob said was right? And you find out that I did something different from what you think it should be. Has you ever come to me and said, well, Pastor, I'm not quite sure about what you just said this morning. I can tell you in 15 years, I could probably count on maybe two hands the times that it's happened where somebody's challenged me. So either I'm all that good, or y'all are very trusting people. And that's scary to think of, quite honestly. Because you should be checking me. You should make sure that I'm not teaching bad stuff. You should be talking amongst yourselves, not trying to undermine my authority. But you guys, we should be sharpening each other and checking the word together. We should be getting together in Bible studies and in prayer times and, and just conversation. What is it that we truly believe and do we understand truly what this says and what resources are you using and how can I get this better understanding? And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I would venture to say there's some of you in this room that have never once read through the entire book. And if you haven't read through the entire book, you have a serious problem. Because if you say you believe something, but you don't know what it says, how can you truly believe it? So my, my point for us all this morning is this. There's a way to know the truth. It's right here in God's Word. It's your responsibility to open it up. It's your responsibility to read it. It's your responsibility to test it. And there are plenty of resources out there to make sure that it's right to make sure that you're on the right path. If you don't understand something, come and talk to me. If you don't understand something, talk to your neighbor. If you take it to your Sunday school class, let's, let's begin this process of iron sharpening iron. That's what the Bible calls us to do. 
Hebrews chapter 25, chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. It's not trying to require people to come to church. That's not what this is about. It's about telling Christians to get together with other Christians so that other Christians can help each other walk through this walk and become stronger and better in our belief system so that when you get out there and people start saying, well, I go to the church and they said that my father God says I'm going to get my own planet someday. You can do more than just go. Because if you can't defend what you truly believe, you have no right snickering at their belief system because at least they know their belief system. You hear what I'm saying? So this Christmas season when we celebrate the Incarnation, be able to intelligently discuss what it means when somebody says, why do you celebrate Jesus' birth? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's more than just a little baby and three wise men bringing some gifts. There's this whole story that we could go through. But you have to know it to be able to tell it.